0: Welcome back, everybody, and happy Halloween to all you pool fans out there. From across the country and around the world, you're listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'll be joined by Mr. Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How you doing, Mark?
1: Good. Thanks, Dave.
0: Good. Good. Are you going to do some trick-or-treating this year? (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might have be thankful I don't live in your neighborhood.
0: <laughs> That's all right. You probably are happy that you don't live in my neighborhood because uh, when the grown-ups come to the door, um, they hand out beer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's, there's, a, there's certain neighborhoods over here where, where when the adults are walking around with the kids the 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 grown-ups will offer the other grown-ups trick-or-treats too and so they'll have cocktails you know and beer and stuff <laughs>
1: oh man jeez yeah Jesus. it's it's pretty no, I, that doesn't happen in this neighborhood i'm afraid
0: <laughs> so yeah we look forward to trick-or-treating too you know it's uh that's a good thing
1: um that probably hit a lot of dollars if that was the case i'd, <laughs> I'd be racing the kids around
0: <laughs> right You'd be going back to certain houses twice. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> go back.
1: Throwing, throwing kids behind me. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. There you go. Hellboying
1: oh them out of the way. Get away. Yeah. Anyways.
0: No, that's all right.
1: what. You- Other than Halloween, what we got going on, we
0: got a lot of stuff going on this week. I know, we do. There's a lot of stuff going on because the U.S. Open is is full force, in effect, right now. As we speak, it's coming down to the quarterfinals, I want to say. And uh, it has been a pretty darn interesting week. There's been a whole lot of craziness going on. I mean, uh, you had... What's his name? Rodney Morris was making accusations about, um, manipulating the rack. Um, then you had, uh, who was it that brought up Carl Boy's uh, misbehaving? Um, who was that match during? I forget now. Um, oh,
1: that was, um, that was Carl Boy's and, um, Sh- Shannon Dalton.
0: Oh, yes, that's right, and Shannon Dalton, right? And then uh, now whether he's misbehaving or not is another thing. But. <laughs> yeah, well that's true. I guess it depends on your on your uh, on your opinion, I suppose. But uh, by the way, um, what was the guy's name that we said that boys looks like? Um, shoot, what's his name? Uh, uh Hugh, Hugh 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 The English I have no actor. idea what the English actor that got the big scandalous thing, remember, um, Hugh Grant? Hugh Grant? Hugh Grant? Is that who that is? I think Carl Boyce looks like Hugh Grant a little bit.
1: No, we don't uh, either. <laughs> you're, you're talking about somebody else. I, yeah, you're miles away. Okay. I think, I think you're miles away. I, I, yeah, you're, you must be, you met until like Huey Lewis in the news. Okay.
0: Anyway. I know. Well, well and then... So
1: what's what's, our, what's the first, uh, not scandal, but talk, talking point that we have from the U.S. Open? Well... The beginning with uh, Jay,
0: or...? I think we should start with Jay, just to get it out of the... Let it out of the barn, I suppose. Uh, for those that may or may not have been keeping up with it, I think just about everybody's heard about it, but... Uh, uh, apparently... Barry Berman, the promoter of the U.S. Open, he had invited uh, former champion Alan Hopkins to play in the event, uh, like a personal invitation type thing. And somehow or another, it did not get communicated that Alan was on the list of players. So Alan makes plans, he shows up at the event, only to find out that he is not entered into the event. So, Barry, um, a, a, according to what we're being told, um, he tries to get Alan into the event by trying to find another player who is willing to step down so Alan can take his place. And they were going to compensate him, you know, for his their entry fees and whatever else. And so, apparently, that was what Barry wanted to have happen. And when he approached Jay about it, Jay... Helfert being his tournament director, uh, Jay disagreed that the the brackets should not be manipulated after the fact because they were already posted, and that Barry shouldn't be you know pulling favors to get Allen in and whatever else. And so Jay basically bowed out, said okay you you know have it your way, but I'm not going to get involved. So Barry or excuse me, Jay steps out of his position and leaves the event. Um, you know, it's, uh, six of one, half dozen of the other. It's a really, it's a sticky position to be put in. And, and the blame is going around everywhere. Everybody's gotten their fair share. You know, Barry shouldn't have done that. Somebody should have kept better track. Alan should have refused the spot. The player should have refused to step down. You should have never manipulated. You know, there. it's, everybody's got their own. Opinion: What would you have done, Mark, if you were like, let's just say uh, you you were Jay in Jay's position? What would you have done if the exact same thing played out like that?
1: Well, there's um, two two options, and uh, one somebody suggested making it a 256 player field or something like that. You can make the field bigger. And then just allow everybody, this is the last minute, so all the people who had been turned down or thought they weren't going to be a plague, it'd be kind of, you know, well, you know, they'd probably have something to say about that. Then somebody else had wrote, and, and which I ag- agree with, because they're, they're picking on um, Alan Hopkins and saying he should have stepped down.
0: Right. right.
2: And,
1: and should have known and just walked away, right. and knowing how this goes down. right. Um, and that, just like the post on there is why 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 do you do that? I mean, he thought he was there to play. He he came, he spent his money, and took the time out to come and play. Right. Because he was told by the promoter, "You you're in."
2: Right. Yeah. So
1: had it been me, I'd have been like, "Well, Barry, you told me I was in. I spent all this money." So instead of paying uh, the Uh, one player off pay uh, Allen Hopkins' expenses with his deepest apologies for the Uh, mix-up. I I mean, I don't see any other way to do
0: it. Right, 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 right. right. Because, and 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 this is not to take a shot at Allen or anyone for that matter, but I mean, again, let me be very, very clear here. I'm not trying to suggest That there's something wrong with Alan Hopkins playing in the event, because that's certainly not the case, but it would be different if it was a Shane or a a Darren, where you knew that there was some extenuating circumstance for them not knowing that they were not included in the brackets, but you knew that they had a good chance of running through the field. It's not like Alan had a chance of getting very far. (laughs) You know what I mean? It it wasn't going to be one of those things that makes the event or breaks the event it could have gone on fine without Alan playing so I don't see why Barry stressed so much on getting him in when like you said he could have just said oh man that's stupid we 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 screwed up let me give you your airfare and you know cover your hotel or whatever I think that's that that probably would have been the least amount of damage that
1: way is Alan Hopkins a previous US Open winner
0: I do believe he is, yes. I could yeah, be wrong, so but had I... had a little bit of a
1: yeah. ceremony for Alan Hopkins. Uh, you know, sorry, for the previous, because of for the 40 years for the uh, attendees who were there who won before in their green jackets and everything. Right, right. Uh, right, maybe, right. Maybe, you needed to keep, maybe you wanted to keep Alan around. Right. For
2: that
1: reason. For, for that reason alone. I, for the photo. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at anything at all, but, uh, you know, I think it's, that whole thing has being beat to
0: death.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, I you did the right thing. It could have been, everything could have been done. Definitely. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, most definitely. I think there, there, I think everybody could have made a different decision. You know, this was, it reminded me of the situation, uh, what was it? A month or so or two ago, whenever, um, uh the CSI was having the issue with uh uh Dominguez scheduled over the event and then they were telling Sky not to play the other event because they were gonna sink. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm just yeah, saying it,
1: it, we we getting we off. Oh I know. I'm the, just saying
0: it reminded me we're of We're getting it, off it. I don't know, you I I
1: don't think I don't think you can compare the two. No, it's not together, Oh no, my no, personal opinion. But
0: I understand what you're
1: saying. He he should have had the deepest apologies to Alan Hopkins and said, I totally screwed this one up. I really. Right. Right. Let me give you something for your time. Let me give you something. Because he gave it to somebody. He gave somebody their entry fee back. Right. And something to compensate him for dropping out in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that is the way that he should have gone. And I'm not surprised, Alan. Alan wouldn't well, have said that Certainly said, dude, I came camet all his way. I'm supposed to be in this. That's it why, why am I not in it? You told me I was in it right's uh, got be way of figure it out but anyway
0: you know. right well, my only point in the in the comparison between the two was that in both situations, every single person involved probably could have made a different decision that was better than what they did. I think Jay bless his heart was in a sticky position i think that he could have handled things differently other than just leaving i don't know maybe not i think barry certainly could have handled things differently i think alan could have handled things differently they all could have you know made a different decision than they did and but they didn't so you know here we are the events damn near over jay wasn't there and it still went on and you know it's still going down so i guess at the end of the day it's really not that big of a deal it's just a. It's just disappointing, you know, that stupid stuff has to happen like that. Uh, matter of fact, what was it today? Another incident went down between Mike DeShane and, uh... Was it Carl again? Uh, is it Grape? Uh, or was it Grape? No, it was Grape, you're right. Shenanigans about, uh gun it. See, I already forgot. I was just reading this stupid thing a few minutes ago. Um, What were they saying about that? Shoot. That... Um, I
1: looked at a oh, man, it, I was, I make him it was... It was about the call.
0: Happened. It was the call about the ball bumping the rack, and so the ref said he missed it, so he asked the audience for their opinion on it, and they gave an answer in favor of Mike. So, uh, what's-his-face went off... Uh, about how there wasn't any Brits in the audience and it was... Not, yeah, it was just a stinky... Another stinky situation. But, from what I understand, the level of play has been really high. There's been some uh, some exceptional uh, defeats. Some surprising defeats. Curran Corr taking out uh, Ko and, uh, I mean, just one upset after another. Um... And of course, as we all understand, this is critical. We're reaching critical mass here the last 24 hours, the finals, because, Mark, let's talk about the points. Moscone Cup. How is this going to play oh, out for oh, you? You
1: are all over the place, my friend. Yeah. You are bouncing all over the place. Um, <laughs> Karen Cole beating uh Kopen-Yi. Uh, definitely the player of the year in a lot of people's opinion. Yeah, uh, that that was amazing. She went hill hill with uh, Jason Shaw. Yeah, and only you know, there's not many other the women out there who are willing to get in there with the fellas and and, and play and be a threat. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. that's a good... I, I love Karen caught to Death, and uh, God bless her for what she did that. Um, before we get to the Moscone Cup points, could I bring up the... Um, the uh, call Boys and uh, Shannon Dalton incident. That also, that started early as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Which... What what's your thoughts on it, Dave? What what do you think of the situation there?
0: <laughs> I think that 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 sportsmanship is very underrated <laughs> these days.
1: <laughs> well, to to to, to recap, uh, I, I imagine those. Nobody listening to who doesn't know. Um, Shannon Dalton made the nine ball. Uh, the a series of little uh, back and forth events. To to that point, as far as Mitch saying and trying to go for a long rail bank and things like that, Carl went for it, missed it, and then left it for Shannon. And and then Shannon makes cuts the nine and. And he's got no chance of going in the pocket he puts his cue on the table to rack the balls and um, the cue ball on his final rotation I guess lands and hits the the his cue that's on the table yeah yeah and I've, I've spoken to a couple of uh, top professionals uh, that know him who are friends with Shannon and Although they've said that call was... I, I would never make that call on somebody else. If, if, uh, you know, if the ball was flying 100 miles an hour around the rails and you had no idea where the cue ball was going, yes, I would call it. If it was heading directly with speed toward a pocket, I would call, right. make that call.
2: Right, right.
1: If the cue got in the way. But if it obviously had no chance of going anywhere near a rail, let alone a pocket... They would never have made it. However, the rule is the rule. Right. And that's, that's what I, I believe it as well. And these uh, other uh, guys who've been around the game a long time, they, they're uh, in that same format. That's the rule. Uh, what they have called it? No. You, you, you Sometimes you don't need to call it. Right. You
2: know?
1: Right. Sometimes you just don't need to call it. They, they made the shot. The, the Shannon made the ball. Right. He, he went in. That's what I'm saying. The ball say. wasn't scratching.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's what I'm
1: saying. bringing it up is. He, he, just, he just looks. It's the rule. You can't fault him for fucking calling the rule. But I think at the end of the day, he ended up making himself look bad and petty. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. I guess that, that could be people were saying it's a move and things like that. Yes. I don't know if it was a move or intentional. But I'm sure that you could fry an egg on uh, Shannon Dalton's forehead <laughs> after it. yeah, And you, that could be what? It, it could it thrown him up for the rest of the time that he was playing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's not unheard of for players to do that. I know a particular player whose name I won't say. Uh, I'm really tempted to, to say his name, but I won't. <laughs> but he has this thing when he's trying to shark people that he will, he will go into this mode of artificial aloofness, and he'll make up some cockamamie rule or some weird thing, or just pretend like he doesn't even know what turn, what whose turn it is, just to get in your head. And he knows that he's doing that. He just wants to get you flustered and have you going, what, what are you talking about? What, huh? No, it's my turn. Why are you, you know, he just wants to get in your head like that. And he does it blatantly um, on purpose to people. And it, it, it works, fortunately for him. And unfortunately for the other people, it works a lot of the time. They get really pissed and upset and their whole game goes out the dang window. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's silly. You know, it's the it's the rule versus the spirit of the rule. Why you want to you know be a jerk when you know you lost anyway? So it doesn't matter. But anyway, uh,
1: no, now we can go back to your yeah. Moscone Cup. Now
0: we can yeah. We beat that dead horse all the way to the ground. So uh, the Moscone Cup points. Um, yeah, that's uh, it looks like right now Shane's gonna stay at the top, obviously. Um it looks like Mike, if he's out, is he's probably gonna get bumped by Corey or Justin. Yeah, I know. I'm,
1: well, I'm looking at the points right now. Obviously Shanson in second place might be Shane third place cardigan. DeShant's got forty corey core's got forty
0: five. that's only one point difference right there.
1: One point difference. So, in all reality, right now, because Corey's gone on at least one round further than Corey, uh, sorry, uh, Corey's gone on one round further than Mike, Mike, Right. that they switch places.
0: Justin, okay. too. Yeah. Well, Justin does, too, but he's a couple more points back. But, yeah.
1: And, um, uh, D- D- Shane, Corey, and Shane.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that's that, that's pretty well understood. I think everybody gets that there's going to be those three or four guys vying for the top three because it's gotten down to that point. I think the biggest question left is who's going to be the pick for number four and number five. Um, if Mike gets bumped, obviously he's a pretty good pick for number four. If he doesn't get bumped, then Corey or Justin is a pretty good pick for number four. Um, so who's yeah. your... The, then the question remains is who's number five? And that's just a big mystery because we don't we haven't really heard Wilson going on and on about the young team this year. I, I kind of feel like that's gonna be his modus like it was last year. Uh, so we might end up with you know a Corey or a Justin or a, a Skyler um, or he might opt for you know somebody that's battle ready. You know, like a Rodney or an Archer or something. You know, somebody with experience uh, at that event. Right. So, I I, don't I
1: think, know. you know what? I think it's safe to say at this point, nah, no matter how it works, how it works out, the U.S. team is going to beat Shane Van Bonny, Mike Duchesne,
0: Justin and Corey, Corey
1: Dole. Yeah. <coughs> Justin Bergman. And and you're right, there's a one last pick. One last pick there that has to and, and you know uh who who you got? You got uh Skylar. I'm not sure Skyler's ready. Uh that's just my personal opinion, although he's he's right there in the rankings. Right. right. But um uh, and, and and did okay at the Open. Uh, Scott uh, probably, by his own admission, would say that he, he bombed it at the at the Open. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's got no chance on points. But you know he's been uh, solid. He's been in now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, and Shaw's not considered.
0: Shaw's not considered an American, right? No. Right. Okay, so then he's obviously not in the mix for that.
1: Well, if he wins this, he might end up on the team, on the European thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Wait, is he, is he still in it? I guess I'm, I, I didn't, I haven't checked uh, the team. Yeah, I believe he's still in it. Okay. I believe he's still in it on the uh, winner's side. Ah, okay there you go there you go well so there's bound to be some upsets there's bound to be some you know swippity switchity schwappities, and all that kind of good stuff it'll be interesting to see who number five is i think we all we got a pretty good idea of of who the first four are probably going to be but uh who's the five you get you haven't talked to wilson and gotten any secret information from him yet
1: well, he was talking about putting me in for a while, uh,
0: <laughs> but he told me the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> he told me <laughs> if he, he told me if I came down to St. Louis and did some clinics with the kids, that I was be you know I'd, I'd be sure surefire for the team, man. Did he? Did he have you do the same oh, thing? I, I, no, I
1: didn't want me to do anything. He said <laughs> I was going
0: to be in. <laughs> he didn't want to corrupt the well, kids. He,
2: he,
1: Well, yeah, no, no, I think he's right. I think we're we're right there with with that. The top four are are what the top four are going to be. Corey's done. uh, Last time, I uh, last week, I believe I I said I thought it would be hard for Corey to do well and uh, maintain his spot last week. And so, uh, listening to my predictions are worth less than nothing at this point (laughs) because. Who do, I, I wasn't yeah, I really didn't think he was going to do this well, but you know, I guess these players have just got talent, and if they get catch gear and get in the zone, as they say, uh, you know, they, they can all beat each other at
0: any particular time. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, Mark, you brought up a good point that is going to transition us perfectly into the next segment. You mentioned uh, it's coming down to the wire here catching a gear, getting the zone. That's what all these finalists are facing there. It's coming down to the last 24 hours of play. Uh, You know, the, the lines are being drawn in the sand, as it were. And you can only imagine what's running through these guys' heads at the end of the day, knowing that they're going into the finals tomorrow when they're laying down in that bed, staring at the ceiling going, oh, shit you know what's coming tomorrow, and then when you walk into the room and you're sharing Shane Van Boning in the face or Dennis Orcoyo in the face and or, who you know, Justin Bergman, and that's the only person between you and the Moscone Cup or that's the only person between you and the trophy for the U.S. Open. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of uh, attention. And that's where, you know, like they say, that's where the separates the men from the boys. So uh, what I did this week... Uh, got together with Dr. Chris Stankovich out of Ohio. He is a, um, I guess you could call it a sports medicine uh, type expert, very well respected in his field. And one of the things that he specializes is uh, the mental game. Uh, and so I did an interview with him. If you guys want to stick around for that in just a couple of minutes, uh, we'll get to talk to the good doctor about uh, some of the mental strife that these guys are going through as they come down to the wire there. So uh, thanks for your time, Mark. I think we're putting everybody to sleep, but we're going to go ahead and bump it off uh, and and move on to the next one. And uh, we'll catch up with all you guys next week. Have a happy Halloween, Mark. Happy Halloween, everybody. You guys be safe and don't eat your kids' candy. That's not nice. All right, welcome back, everybody. I am uh, talking with Dr. Chris Stankovich out of uh, Ohio, the Columbus area, I, I believe. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, David. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, for those that are not familiar with uh, your line of work, wanted to tell us a little bit about what you do and 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 where you got to, how you got where you are.
3: Sure. Uh... I'm a professor, researcher uh, in the field of sports psychology. Uh, I've done a lot of work in this field for the last 20, 25 years. Uh, I primarily help athletes, and I certainly would consider pool players uh, to be part of that group uh, with the mental aspects of sport, helping them develop confidence and focus, uh, galvanize their resiliency, and essentially helping them maximize their abilities so that they don't get in their own way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as you and a lot of pool players probably know already, uh, you know the physical ability and the talent will only get you so far. Um, you know you've got to have a strong mental capacity to handle the pressure, uh, to handle whatever emotional issues may be going on in your in your world. You know, maybe your girlfriend or wife's pissed at you. Maybe your dog is sick. Maybe your house is in foreclosure. You know, there's things that there's things that get in, in your head that can interrupt your game. And for our listeners out there, um, we brought Dr. Stankovic on because, as you well know, the U.S. Open is winding down to the final 24 hours now. And you want to talk about pressure. Uh, this is where these gentlemen's mental game will really shine, or it will really dog them. It'll take them out. uh, Can you imagine what's going through their head right about now, you know?
3: Well, you know, you just named a lot of really important points about why the mental game is so important. And, you know, at this level that you're talking about here at the U.S. Open, everybody's talented, you know, on any given day, one player is likely to beat another. Right. Uh, you know, we're not talking about any slouches here, and so the difference maker is consistency. Uh, it's not getting too high, too low. Uh, if a, if a player does miss a shot or lose a game that he shouldn't lose, you know, how quickly can he bounce back for that next rack? Right. Uh, you know, and these were things, ironically, uh, that I learned back all the way back into my teen years when I would play pool and really enjoyed the game. Still enjoy it today. Uh, You know, I even noticed it about myself long before I ever even went to college, how important the mental game was and Mm -hmm. how differently I would play in an empty pool room versus, you know, a small tournament where all of a sudden the stakes were raised and now I found myself playing very differently. And so, you know, I found a great use uh, for these skills, you know, we're talking 30 some years ago and and I'm very uh, excited and proud to have been able to develop a little product line to help players nowadays with. Many of the same things that I think exist today as they did thirty years ago when I was playing as a teenager.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, the pressure doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't get any. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier when you get older. I'll be the first one to admit it that I play horribly under pressure. Um, th- and I know. I know that, like you said, I've known that since I was a teenager. So, I've uh, sort of recognized the what's the word I'm well, looking for the the red flags, as it were. You know.
3: Yeah, and, you know, you actually hit on something earlier uh, a moment ago when you made the comment about stress. You know, there's even little parts uh, of mental toughness that athletes don't often think about. You know, we, we often think about negative stress, and you highlighted some of those things, If you know, if you've got domestic issues or foreclosure. But did you know that we actually have identified a, a second type of stress that we call good stress? Mm -hmm. And, you know, players experience that when they're doing really well. Yes, Uh, They're expected to perform at a high level. They're expected to win tournaments. They're expected to do well for their sponsors. And that is a very overlooked type of stress that many pool players experience. And they scratch their heads and wonder why. Why am I so stressed? I'm playing well.
0: Yeah, that is very true. That's very, very true. You can get yourself a little bit too amped up, I guess, maybe is a good way to, to, to put that. That's right. You know, so um, I guess as a an, as an expert in the field, um, you know, let, let me just give you a, like a layman's type question. You know, let's just say that uh, I'm a, a, a semi-pro. I'm going to say that, that because that's going to put me in the as a finalist in the U.S. Open. Um, let's just say I'm a, a semi-pro or a pro and, and it's coming down to the wire here. The last 24 hours, I'm going to eat dinner tonight. I'm going to go to bed knowing that tomorrow I'm about to face, you know, two or three of the toughest pool players in the country. What do I I need to do? What do I need to do to to prepare myself for that?
3: Yeah, well, that's a great question, and it's a question that goes beyond players at only the U.S. Open level. As we know, you know, there's thousands of smaller little tournaments going on this weekend where, you know, a lot of... uh, Oh, yeah. Players probably like me, you, and the next guy can still benefit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first thing I would do is always recommend stay within those routines. You know, I think sometimes players get to get outside of their routines and then they're not comfortable any longer. So, yeah. you know, you need to have a, a good pre-tournament routine and that can include, you know, whatever types of food you like to eat, if you like to read a certain magazine or listen to music. You want to keep those things consistent, but then you also need to work on that pre-shot routine. and. You know, what you do before each shot should be very consistent. How you line up, right. how you look the balls over, even your breathing patterns right. uh, can really maintain that confidence and consistency. And so those are the big things. And then, you know, when you get down to actually playing, I and mean, the big thing you want to focus on is, is looking at what you control and letting go of the things you don't control. And I think too many times we get caught up looking down the uh, bracket sheet of who's next mm-hmm. and we start thinking about it and worrying about it right. when really – you know, pool is one of those beautiful games that when you're at the table, you don't have to sit down. <laughs> you know, you really do control it, uh, unlike a lot of sports where you know the dynamic is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if your head's in the game in pool, you can stay up there quite a long time and win a lot of games and matches.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Well, and I guess I, I think is it is it simplifying? Am I being over simple? I mean, what's the word? Am I am I simplifying oversimplifying this by saying? That the bottom line is really um, the how to deal with the pressure or the you know. Isn't that the ultimate goal though? Is is that you're the, the enemy is stress. The goal is to keep yourself together. Is it that simple? Yes. Just just to not uh, well, let yourself say, get stressed out.
3: Sure. I I I well Yes and no. A certain amount of stress is actually a good thing. So you don't want to be so flat that your focus becomes so wide. Does that make sense? You know, yes. When we get really bored and disinterested, our focus kind of you know varies and, and right. we're not playing our best bear. Right. Not but having really, your head in the game. Yes. Is, right. So what we're really trying to do is develop self-confidence to the highest level. And at the same time, we're, we're trying to galvanize resiliency. Uh, we know stress, adversity, frustration, and failure are parts of life. Every single one of us fail in life. Sure. But, but the great ones are the ones that bounce back. They learn from those failures. They're not embarrassed by them. They don't have too much pride. They're not perfectionistic in their mm. thinking, meaning they allow for error. Right. Um, those are the ones that, that rise to the top. Sure. And so, yeah, ultimately what we're trying to do is build that confidence up, you know, help with focus, and then help athletes bounce back as quickly as possible. And, you know, the one other thing I would add to this, you know, the best people at whatever they do are not afraid to to take in this kind of information. I think it's more the insecure player who might be listening to our interview right now and think, well, what do I need that mental stuff for? I don't have any mental problems. Right. You know, I, I don't have a diagnosis. And I want to, you know, really discourage players from thinking that way because what we're talking about right now, David, a skill set, and yes. it's no different than learning how to break balls, cut balls, exactly. Shot. It's, it's another skill.
0: That's it. I think that's the most important thing that you could tell someone. Uh, someone. Um, it, it doesn't matter what level of player they are. It doesn't matter if they're playing pool or backgammon or horseshoes or or, or they're at work. the The point is that it's a skill set, it's something that should be studied, practiced, well, learned, and then practiced routinely to until the point that it becomes second nature. And I think that that's where, now I'm not saying this because I'm on the soapbox, I'm just saying this because uh, I think a lot of people like myself, um, they didn't ever consider some sort of routine for practicing not getting stressed out. They just sort of, you know, okay, I'm gonna be bullheaded. and I'm gonna try to not to let it get in my head, but they don't realize that you can actually learn a procedure or a uh, yeah, I don't know what the word is, a uh, a system. Maybe that's a good word, a system uh-huh. Uh-huh. for reinforcing your own, like you said, confidence level. Because the confidence level is going to have everything to do with your mental game. Your confidence level is huge. Well,
3: and and the nice thing is, you know, what we're talking about and the things that I talk about, whether I'm doing a a lecture on this or creating a DVD for players to to use, you know, this is all grounded in really solid science. And so, you know, we're not talking about hocus-pocus magic or anything. I
2: mean,
3: this stuff has been studied for decade upon decade, and, you know, again, your, your savvier athletes, the ones who are going to turn every stone to get the most out of their ability, are going to be open to this. And, you know, it's, again, it, it's, uh, it's a skill set that can be learned by anyone, can be mastered. And what it helps with mostly is that muscle memory. So when you get down, yeah. you're not worried, you're not scared. right? Uh, you know, like one of the examples I talk about on my DVD is, you know, what you say to yourself has a, has a big impact on how you play. And I can give you an easy example right now on this interview. You know, if you've ever played pool and you told yourself, don't miss this next shot, I can almost <laughs> guarantee you went ahead and missed it.
2: <laughs> and, and
3: right now, I would tell you, you know, don't think of a purple gorilla. What do you want to think about? Exactly. And so, you know, some of these little tricks are, are just as simple as that. So, I mean, there's a takeaway right now yeah. for anybody listening. Whenever you're playing, You know, Try to refrain from telling yourself, don't. Instead, you want to make everything positive and productive. I'm going to drain this nine ball. It sounds so simple, but it has a huge, huge impact on the outcome of of your games.
0: It does. It does. And I'm guilty of that same exact scenario, what you just described. I will walk up to the table and see the next shot that's laid up, and I'm going to be... My automatic response is... Without even thinking about it, I'm either comfortable with the shot or I'm not. And the first thing, if I perceive that I'm not comfortable with it, the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth is, "And eh, that's a little bit outside of my comfort zone." I've already psyched myself mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of coming to the table going, "Ah, I, I got that. I can hit that. I've right. made that shot a hundred times." I've already. Right. I, I'm my own worst enemy, and I know that. And and but this, my point being. And it's that, like you said, it's that simple. It's that common just saying, oh, no, this is going to be hard. Well, you've just, you know, you've just told yourself it's going to be hard already.
3: That's right. And, you know, these are common struggles. I mean, I'm very fortunate in my practice that I've had the uh, opportunity to work with countless uh, professional and Olympic-level athletes. I mean, athletes at the top of their sport, including some pool players. And, you know, what, what's pretty interesting is they all suffer from the same... Uh, confidence issues and insecurities that we all do.
2: Right. Uh,
3: right. you know, none of us are immune to these things. Our egos are, are fragile. And you know, some of the guys that are playing in the US Open right now, some of the guys who uh, got beat earlier in the tournament, there's a pretty good chance they're battling confidence issues moving forward. They still yes. have the talent, the ability yep. Yep. but between the years there's a little bit of fear. There's some of that self doubt. Yep. And their bigger challenge is gonna be squashing that. Not learning how to make bank shots or cut shots. I mean, they've done that a million times. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It is, it's a whole, it's one thing to learn how to play at a high level. (laughs) It's an entirely different thing to, and I I have told, I've had this conversation with non pool playing friends before, how they say, well, so and so is a pro. How come they don't do, how come they didn't do better than they did? And I said, look, you know, knowing how to play is a whole different uh, ball of wax than going to some major event and being able to keep your head together for a week. Because, you know what I mean? Because you're playing one or two matches a day and then you've got the rest of the day to uh, worry and to deal with things at home and like you were talking about, you know, all the other distractions and everything else. So for somebody to go to an event like the US Open and keep their head together that match after match for a week long... That's that is going to take some work, and that's what separates the men from the boys in the end. Really, the guys that kept their that's head exactly together—they're right. going to keep that's right. keep their head together when it, when it when it when it just unbelievable pressure. That's what's going to make and, the and difference. Some of
3: your listeners today, you know, and I don't want to suggest that these are the only people that can benefit from what I'm talking about, but I know I've been around the sport. You've obviously been around it. There are players that we all know, and maybe some guys listening right now can identify themselves as this, that we jokingly call head cases. That right. We see them get visibly upset. They, yep. they get angry. They swear. They slam their stick down. And, you know, these are the guys that we watch, and women for that matter, that we see and we say, wow, you know, that person's got such tremendous talent and ability, but he gets in his own way. Yep. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> and I fact. think th- those players especially – could probably improve their game, oh, who knows, 25, 35, 50% even, right. by simply getting it you know, under control between the ears.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I know I could. I know I could. I know I could improve my game tremendously if I could just keep the stress out of my head. I mean, and now here's to let me present uh, what you mentioned earlier about the good kind of stress. You know, there are people that will swear up and down that in order to become the pro-level player, you've got to gamble for money. You need to go and play action games and get in the uh, trenches, as it were, because there's nothing that's going to put the pressure on you to win like the money. So they use that as their catalyst. Now, now I'm just going to be facetious and say, well, what do you have to say about that, Mm -hmm. doctor? You know? Well, I,
3: I definitely believe that you have to play in pressure situations to get better yes. at playing in pressure situations. Now, whether or not that includes money, you know, I'll, I'll let your audience decide that because sure. you know you can just as well get into a local free tournament, or or when I say free, maybe pennies on the dollar to get in. Right. Uh, you know, so it really doesn't cost you much, but you're playing against good competition, and whether there's a little bit of money on the line or not you still know you have to bring your A game in order to get through that flight. Sure. So, you know, I remember when I was a teenager and we would play, we would love it when some of the old-timers in the pool room would play us for, you know, quarters. Like, we knew we were going to lose. <laughs>
2: but
3: we thought, no, I, I can afford to lose 5 or $10 for the lessons I'm going to get there. Yeah. And I do think that, that those lessons are invaluable. So, you know, to that extent, yeah, you're probably never going to get, you know, as, as good as you can get. Uh, if you're just playing your best friend day in, day out, and there's really nothing riding on it. And again, I don't even mean money by that, but just some kind of a tournament experience where there is a real-life circumstance that if you win, you move on, you lose, you're out. Right. You need to practice in those situations. There's no doubt about it.
0: Right, right, right. Well, and I was looking at some information, too, about your your app uh, that's been out since, wow, it's like 2010. I didn't realize it had been that long. Um, So, and not to go into the big, long sales pitch or anything, but uh, well, give us the, tell us what that's good for. Tell us what, a, what, a, what a, your average Joe player, why they should use that.
3: Yeah, uh, well, I appreciate the question. Uh, the sport performance assessment tool app for the iPhone uh, is a simple tool. It's a couple bucks, so it's hardly a, an expensive item. And it just allows players to self-test and uh, it measures them, them on some mental toughness uh, variables like confidence and resiliency and so on, and then it provides some uh, immediate feedback of how you can improve in your areas that are uh, lower in score. So, you know, it, it's a, a nice little tool for the, for the price, uh, but I would say for the more serious player, uh, you know, the, the DVD that I offer, The Mind of Steel for Full Success, uh, it is a really, really powerful tool because it goes over the, the very same things we're talking about here with specific examples. And I can tell you this much, uh, if players use what I'm talking about in this training, they absolutely will see improvement in their game. And I would say that whether you're the, the best player in the world or just an average Joe because these skills really do work. I, I would never... Uh, get behind them and talk about them if I didn't see the value myself. Sure. Uh, so, you know, that's something I would certainly encourage players to check out. And, and they can find that at com.
0: There you go. I was just going to say, tell us uh, where they can find that that information. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> com. So um, there you go. He's the uh, the good doctor to help you out with your mental game. <laughs> help you bringing it together. Well, is there anything else you would like to share?
3: Well, I just think that it's really important uh, that you're talking about this subject today. I know that you know any player listening to this right now. I don't need to convince him or her that the mental game is a big, big part of pool success. Uh, you know what I would do is encourage anybody listening today that's been thinking about how their mental game could use some improvement to seek that information. Now, again, yeah. I have some products, but there may be some other things out there as well. But I think the point is. You know, don't just be stagnant, sitting around and saying, "Well, I hope that I become more mentally tough." When there are actually actually skills out there that you can yes. acquire and learn and master, and uh, I think that uh, you'll absolutely see an improvement uh, by doing so.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that, uh, um, like myself, if I took a more serious approach and, and and practiced and rehearsed and you know went through the motions of not allowing myself. That's the, the the fear to get into my head, you know. That would be that would be a huge improvement in my game. I, I know that I know that much. So anyway, uh, thank well, you.
3: One last tip I will say, based on, can I just piggyback on that for a minute? Yeah, sure. You, Go ahead. You know, you talked about fear, and you know, one of the things that I often talk to my clients about my the, the elite level athletes that I work with is, you know, what's your greatest fear from competing? And you know, a lot of times. They'll answer oh, well, losing. But really, I mean, you can go deeper than that. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen today? Well, you know, God forbid you could die. You know, the odds of that happening in a full match are, are zero, basically. Yeah, uh, not
0: real good. Permanent
3: injury. You know, a permanent injury would be the next worst thing. Again, that's not going to occur. When you start to scale it back, the worst thing that's going to happen, even for the guys in the U.S. Open, is that they lose. Right. And, and loss, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. I know no one wants to lose. I don't want to lose either but there's a really rich uh, set of information and skills that you can learn from for improvement. So, you know, I would discourage players from getting away from their losses. I'd say, you know, the 24-hour rule. If you lose a match, let it get out of your system for a day, but the very next day, go back. Revisit some of those uh, lays of the table that you misread or shot that yeah. you missed. Yeah. But, you know, you can see your game spike in improvement if you do that. And the reason why... Very few players do that. Most of us, when we have a bad day, never want to think of it again. And that's unfortunate.
2: So, right. you
3: know, again, I'm not saying you should enjoy failure, but I am saying it is a very fertile ground for self-improvement. So, Most you know, definitely. don't fear failure.
0: Well, no, that's right. That's exactly why, uh, you know, professional sports teams like, say, the NFL, that's why they'll sit and make uh, have sessions of watching the tapes, as they call it, because they want to look back at where the mistakes were made, and they can evaluate that. And then next time, you know, that's one less thing in your head to have to worry about, you know, really. If you're evaluating your own game, uh, that's, like you said, that is fertile ground for improvement right there. See what you did wrong. It it
3: really is. And You know, it's funny when athletes choke. I'll I'll offer you this as well. When athletes choke, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, like take, for example, some of the guys at at the U.S. Open. uh, I'm sure if we rewound the tape, we would find countless top type, top 10 type players or elite level players that have missed shots this week that they never would miss. Right. And why they miss those shots, this is really interesting. In those examples, they've choked. They know how to make it, but they didn't execute.
0: Right. Uh, doesn't make them
3: a bad person, but it means they choked. And where choking is driven from is fear and self-doubt. And if you drill deeper on that, the fear is not real fear of being in harm's way. The fear that they experience is you know what we call irrational fear? Right. What are other people going to think? Am I going to embarrass myself? Right. Uh, you know, is this player going to think I'm not worthy? The person I'm competing against. <laughs> the moment you get rid of all that irrational fear, again, you'll see a spike in in, in your game from just that. Agreed.
0: Along. Yes, totally agreed. I 100 percent agree because the fear um, is. Ah, uh, gosh. I guess just to repeat what you said more often than not it's usually a little bit unfounded and exaggerated and you got yourself all worked up over something you know that ne- may not necessarily be as a big of a deal as you thought it was That's right. You know, like you said at the end of the day, okay, you lost. You know, you That's right. you're not injured, you know, okay, you got you're out of the tournament, you go home. Oh, no, no big deal. It's, you can't can't let it you get know, in your head though.
3: Well, one of the things that I do and that I recommend to clients, friends, you know, anybody that comes into my life, go and get an autobiography. Try to do this annually, at least one good one each year, Uh, an autobiography or a biography if you can't find an autobiography of somebody that you look up to, uh, someone you consider a hero, whether it's uh, an athlete, a world figure, a movie star, whoever you think that is if they've got an autobiography out there and you read it, I guarantee you will read far many more stories of frustration and failure than you will success. And I think we sometimes lose sight of that. When we see the great ones in life, we too often attribute it to natural skills or gifts or, you know, this, that, and the other, when in reality... These are the ones who are the first to practice, the last to leave. They're turning every stone. Yeah. They're dealing with frustration and failure. You know, those are are the superstars. Right. Uh, you know, I, I remember a few years ago reading the biography of Steve Jobs, the the late founder of Apple, and uh, just a tremendous book. And, and here's a guy that was fired from Apple, fired from the company he created. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if it gets any worse than that. And I think when you think about these stories, that Puts the rest of our lives in perspective and uh, maybe gives us a little more hope. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. No, that's some that's some sound advice. That's what that is. Well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
3: Well, and I appreciate what you're doing for the great sport of pool. There needs to be more people like you out there. Uh, you know, this this great game drew me closer to it, and creating some of these products and, and hoping to offer some assistance to players, be it through the articles we post at AZ Billiards or the products I have at Dr. com. I mean, the whole goal was to, to get into this sport where I felt there was so much work to do with yeah. such a quote-unquote mental game.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And there's nowhere to go but up, so, you know... <laughs> It's uh, I'm, I'm gonna be the the perpetual optimist. So, <laughs> somebody has to be optimistic. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Chris, and uh, thank you to the listeners out there. And we'll catch up with you again next week.